Hey, if you got a Bible, take out your Bible. If you got a phone with the Bible app, take it out. Uh, if you don't have anything, that's okay. We'll, uh, we'll have verses on the screen uh, for you. Um, John, can you bring me up just a little bit? My voice is a little rough. Hey, I uh, just want to say thank you uh, for everybody who has been praying for me uh, this week. Um, I'm limping still some. I sprained my MCL uh, playing some basketball uh, with my son, Michael. Uh, but God is healing. Um, I am not using the crutches in Jesus' name because I'm grumpy and uh, stubborn like that. So, and uh, I just believe that God's going to heal me quick in Jesus' name. So, if you got a Bible, go to with me to Romans. We're going to spend uh, a lot of time in Romans today, uh, the fifth chapter. Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Again, it says, Therefore, since we've been made right with God, uh, made right in God's sight, by faith we have peace. Because uh, with God, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. We confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Verse 3. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know they help develop endurance, and endurance develops strength and character, and character and strength and confidence and hope of our salvation. Verse 5. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit and filled our hearts with love. We were utterly helpless, and then Christ came at the right time and died for our sins. And now, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to die for someone who is especially good. But God showed his great love by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Verse 9. And since we've been made right with God by his blood of Christ, we certainly have been saved from God's condemnation. Okay. And we're going to jump to verse 16 real quick. Verse 16 says this. And a result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin. Talking about Adam, we're going back to the very beginning of the Bible between Adam and, and, and Jesus is also referred as the second Adam. It says this, for Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads us to being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Can I get an amen on that? I know I'm guilty of a, a lot. Verse 17, it says this, For sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. This is one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. Has to be. Because it talks about the nature and the character and the culture that we have in Christ Jesus. Because of faith, I am made right. Not because of works, okay? Now, I understand that God has called us to works and to do works, but it's not our works that makes us right, thank God. Because my works in the sight of God are really filthy. But it's my faith that has made me right. And we are placed in an un deserve privilege where we now stand with God. Isn't it amazing that we get to come in and worship him? 
We get to come in here and stand here today completely forgiven of our sin, our guilt, our shame, and he accepts our worship. He accepts our goodness. It's so good. It says we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory, the presence of God. You know, there was a day and a time in the Old Testament where people couldn't even see the presence of God. They didn't even know the presence of God. It wasn't until Jesus came in the New Testament and he started speaking to them out of the Old Testament that they first felt the presence of God. It had been over 400 years since they felt the presence of God. And now today we need to confidently stand in the presence of God and receive his love and receive his grace, and receive all that he's done for us. Adam brought death and sin into our lives, but Jesus brings righteousness and goodness into our life, and his righteousness and goodness ends up bringing us to a place where we what? Are free from sin because of grace, because of righteousness. It strengthens you. It strengthens your innermost being and you become a man and woman of God and you have the strength to overcome the things that you've never had strength to overcome before because of what Jesus did on the cross. What an amazing chapter. What an amazing picture of what God is really talking about and he's really talking about his culture. The culture of the kingdom of God. And the reality is this, we all understand culture and we all have culture. We have culture in our jobs, we have culture in our families, uh, we have culture in, you know, lots of different things in this world, like like the culture in my house. I'm going to talk about that for a second, okay? Like, in our house, one of the things that is culture in our house is that uh, we don't allow our boys to fight. We have three uh, boys, and they're, you know, they're boys, okay? And for some reason, I think it's just a natural thing in boys to hit. I don't know, I don't know why, but, you know, boys just want to hit, you know? And so, we've made it really clear that, you know, when we get mad, we're not going to hit each other, we're not going to fight, we're not going to bloody each other's noses. You know, we have things in our house, like culture, like we don't speak negative words uh, over each other. You know, we're not going to speak words of death over each other. We're going to speak words of life as a family. We don't allow uh, our kids to say things like, I hate you, I don't like you, you know, I wish you were never born. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll kick you out of the house, never born, you know what I mean? We don't do stuff like that. We play basketball in our house. That's that's part of the culture. We love the Chicago Bears in our house, and we hate the Green Bay Packers, I promise you. If you ask my son Ben, what do you think of Aaron Rodgers, he would say, I hope he dies in a hole today. I promise you. I mean, it's just, it's just the, the culture of our house, you know. In our house, we love worship music. We, we pray. In our house, we drink Coke. We drink Aquafina. Uh, you know what I mean? The other day, uh, Michael said, Dad, uh, there is no more water because we drink bottled Aquafina water. I said, I said, yeah, it's all gone. I said, you can get some out of the faucet. And he goes, Dad, are you serious? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, there is such a thing as as called tap water, you know? But this is our culture. You know, and in our culture, the biggest thing about the Workmeister family culture is that we're picky. So um, the other day, it was uh, Thanksgiving Day, and um, we were on the way up to Mimi and Pooch's house for Thanksgiving, and, uh, you know, the boys are hungry, and we're, you know, telling them to relax, but our little three-year-old Luke is, like, yelling, you know, he wants nuggets, okay? And so when he yells for nuggets, 
He means Wendy's, okay? I promise you. It's not like just any old chicken nugget. It is Wendy's chicken nuggets, okay? So we go to Wendy's, and for some reason, like, the drive-thru thing is on, you know? And so I'm talking to the drive-thru thing, and, like, there's no response. But for some reason, I end up sitting there for, like, five or six minutes thinking that, like, somebody's inside, and really there's nobody inside. And so finally we realize nobody's here, and so we drive across the street and luckily mcdonald's is open and so we get mcdonald's and and so luke wants three things he wants nuggets he wants a burger plain just absolutely plain and he wants french fries and a coke okay this is this is luke's deal okay i know you're like you give your kid coke yes i'm a horrible horrible father okay i promise you okay so so we we get mcdonald's and we hand the burger back to luke Okay, Luke takes the burger and starts sniffing the burger, okay? He starts examining the burger, and you know what he does? He throws the burger to the front seat and goes, I want nuggets, you know what I mean? And so, so now we pass the nuggets back, and he looks at the nugget, and he throws the nuggets at his brothers, okay? Because he's like, where is Wendy's? This is not Wendy's. And I promise you, he will not eat it. I, I mean, it's just the craziest thing. We, we had to get him a new uh, binky uh, yesterday. And I hand the binky back to him. And he said, where's Bear's binky? And I was like, uh, this is good binky, you know. And he, again, he sniffed the binky. He sucked on it. And then he threw it. Okay, I mean, just, I, I just, I mean, Michael, the other day, um, I said, I, I'm the guy that does lunches, okay? I make the lunches. And so I saw that Michael wasn't eating some of his lunch. And I said, Michael, I said, why aren't you eating part of your lunch? And he goes, the checks mix changed. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, it's not the same. I was like, yeah, I bought the Meyer brand. He goes, yeah, that's what it is, Dad. Yeah, I mean, it just, now you're like, Where? Where do these kids get this? And it's 100% from me, okay? I promise you, it is all coming from me. I remember when I was like nine years old, uh, my dad would do this thing where we would drive up to a drive-thru, and he would go, listen carefully. Do you want a hamburger and a french fry? And we would go, I want a double cheeseburger and 14 fries and a milkshake, and he would drive away because we didn't, Listen to what he said. He said, do you want a hamburger? And so we get up to Wendy's, okay, Mr. Piggy, and I go, I want mine plain, okay? Does he order it plain? No, he doesn't order it plain. So you know what I do? I take that thing, and I throw it under the seat, and about two months later, in the dead of summer, the car smells like a dead body, okay? My dad is searching frantically and finds the rotted, nasty burger that I have thrown under the seat because I'm so picky. God. But the reality is this. You know, I have a culture in my home. You have a culture in your home, okay? And we understand culture. And culture is really like an ecosystem, okay? When you have a culture and the culture is working right, it's kind of like an ecosystem. And we understand ecosystems because, you know, uh, I was telling Michael about how much I do not like geese, that geese just walk around and they poop everywhere, and, and I'm not friends of the, you know, geese, and, and Michael told me, Dad, there's an ecosystem, we take the geese out of the ecosystem, something's going to die, you know, and I'm like, 
I'm like, but why did God make geese? And why did God make, you know, like uh, mosquitoes and stuff like that? But there's a reason. There's an ecosystem, okay? And there's a culture in your home, your life, your job, and it's really an ecosystem that we live in. And sometimes we get to determine these ecosystems. Sometimes we are just a part of the ecosystem because I work at such and such place. Some are great, and they lead to life. Some ecosystems are bad, and they ultimately lead to death. And the truth is this. Bad ecosystems equal bad culture, and healthy ecosystems equal what? Healthy culture, okay? And it's so interesting because in Romans chapter 5, you know, we see, you know, God talking about his culture of grace and righteousness and his goodness and what Christ did on the cross. But for years, I've read this chapter and read these scriptures and have bypassed verses 3, 4, and 5. And the Lord just brought to my attention, he said, listen, I built an ecosystem in Romans chapter 5. Verse 3, again, it says, Rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know they help us to develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character and strength are confidence and hope in our salvation. Verse 5, And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us a Holy Spirit to fill us with his love. So we're going to talk about God's ecosystem today. So I want you to turn to the side that says, God's cycle, okay? And we're going to write these in, okay? God's ecosystem. Number one, at the very top, you can put this. Problems and trials. Problems and trials. John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfied life. Now, I'm really interested in the rich and satisfied life that Jesus Christ comes to give me. But the reality is that John clearly tells us that we have an enemy of our soul that wants to do what? Rob, steal, and kill. And he is out looking to accomplish these things in my life and in your life. John chapter 16, verse 33 says, I've told you these things told you this so that you may have peace in me here on earth you will have many trials and sorrow but take heart because I have overcome the world reality is this we go through stuff in life you know maybe you go through a miscarriage my my brother in the last three years they went to through two miscarriages and finally had uh, a baby uh, you, maybe you lose a job, somebody is sick, a deal goes, doesn't go right or wrong in, in your life. And, and the reality is this, I understand this. I understand problems and trials. You know, just this last week, in the course of one week, okay, um, my family called me from Chicago, told me that every single one of them are moving to Texas, which I was not excited about, you know, this is my family. This is my home. Um, we always go home for Thanksgiving. I love taking the boys to Chicago. I love giving them the opportunity to see their family. And now my family's moving uh, to Texas. And that might not be a big deal to you, but it was a big deal to me. And, and in the same week, we were working on a house deal, looking at this house that we wanted to move into and, and be in in the summertime. And that deal fell through. 
after that, I ended up spraining my knee playing some basketball. After that, an unexpected bill uh, came in. And then after that, what seemed to be perfect, an amazing opportunity for our church to move into a new facility, the deal fell through in one week, seven days. Problems. Tough times. And I don't know what yours is, but you can fill in your blanks for your problems and your trials. I'm not up here telling you that I'm the only one with problems and trials. I completely understand that we are all in this together. And we have an enemy that is trying to rob, steal, and kill in our life. And the reality is this. It makes you feel what? Okay? Because we need to identify what this makes us feel like. And the truth is this. It makes us feel like God has forgotten us. Right? Like when problems and trials come around, we're just kind of like, God, where are you? How did this happen on your watch? How did this happen on your time? And then we get into a place that we're like, God, have you forgotten your promises that you've promised to me and my family? And, and we get into a place where we're like, I don't understand, and I have no understanding, and I'm trying to search my heart for understanding, but I can't find understanding. And then we go to this place of hopelessness where ultimately the enemy has us, where we're like, man, does God even really have a plan? Is God even really in control of my life? Is God really working these things out? And the enemy comes and he does what? He robs, steals, and kills. And what he does, he steals our hope. All of a sudden, we're really hopeless. And if you've ever lost hope before, it's really hard to get up the next day. Just being honest. When you lose hope, you kind of feel like, what's the purpose? What's the, what's the point? Of all this. And then the enemy comes and he steals joy. And when he steals joy, I don't I don't know about you. You know, oh yeah, I forgot in that same week I got in a fight with Ben's coach, uh, his basketball coach, second grade. I'm at practice and he and he and he asked me, he said, you know, uh, we don't allow parents uh, at practice. Can you go sit out in the lobby? I said, No. <laughs> and he said, He said, Are you serious? I said, I'm a hundred percent serious. I said, I'm sitting down, I'm enjoying myself, and I'm gonna continue to enjoy practice. So and he looked at me like, who are you? And I was like, I am not the guy you want to mess with this week. I promise you. I mean, I'm about this close of going postal on somebody, okay? I'm just being honest. You lose joy, and all of a sudden you want to hurt people. You know? Can I get an amen from somebody? Okay? The enemy comes, he steals your joy, he steals your hope, and all of a sudden you're like, Man, I don't, I don't care what anybody thinks, you know? And then the enemy comes and he does what? He steals your peace. No peace. And we start asking ourselves, is God really good? I don't, I don't have a peace anymore. Is God faithful? But the Bible says we're going to have sorrows. The Bible says that we're going to have tough days. And in, in I think that sometimes I personally don't want to read these three verses in Romans 5. Because I don't want to see that I'm going to have problems and trials. I'm like, no, talk about the good stuff. Talk about grace. 
Talk about me triumphing in life. Talk about God's goodness and favor. I don't want to see these verses. The beginning of the cycle is problems and trials. It goes to number two. The second one is this. Problems and trials ends up developing endurance. You write down endurance. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27 says this. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one gets the prize? So run to win. What is the writer talking about? He's talking about not a physical race, but a spiritual race. That we're in a race and we're trying to get to heaven. And the reality is this. Not everybody's getting to heaven. Not everybody's making it. Verse 25 says, all athletes discipline in their training. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do this for an eternal prize. So verse 26, so I run with purpose in every step, not just shadow boxing, not just playing games, not just playing around with my faith, but really intently focus on my faith, focus on my relationship with Jesus. Verse 27, I discipline my body like an athlete, train it to do uh, what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 7 says this, as for me, I've already poured out my life as an offering to God. At the time of my death is near, verse 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I've remained faithful. The truth is this, and I would tell students this when I did student ministries for years and years and years. I told them, I said, I don't care how excited and passionate you are today about Jesus. I want to know, are you going to be excited and passionate about your relationship with Jesus when you're 50, 60 years old someday? I want to know that someday that I'm going to see you in heaven with me. And that's what I ultimately feel as a pastor. Am I excited about the moments that God really shows up? Yes. Am I excited about the moments that you are excited about your faith or you're excited about something God did in your life or you're excited about how God is uh, speaking to you? Yes, I'm always excited about those moments, but I understand this. In life, we have sorrows and troubles and trials, and I want to know that in my heart of hearts that you are going to make it through the problems and the trials and the sorrows, and you're going to have endurance to what? Make it to the end to that day. Endurance. Endurance then leads to number three. It goes on and says this. Develops strength of character. Strength of character. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 9 says this. Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. The reality is this, if I gave every single one of you a, uh, a pack of apple seeds, okay, and we went out and we planted those apple seeds in your yards and we watered them and took good care of them and the tree came up and it started to yield fruit, but we were mad and frustrated because we didn't have oranges, okay? Does that make sense? Like we plant apple seeds, but all, all of a sudden we're like, man, I really want oranges. 
Doesn't orange sound good? Doesn't orange sound good this morning? Like, I love oranges. I mean, they're just juicy and they're yummy, and I just really love them. Now, the reality is this. If you planted apple seeds and didn't get apples, there would be something super weird going on. You know what I mean? I'd be like, is there Ninja Turtle stuff in the ground? You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, I mean, you remember the goo that changed the Ninja Turtles? Yeah, okay, come on. Follow with me. Come on, track with me. It'd be something weird. But the reality is this. If I plant apple seeds, I'm going to get an apple. If I plant orange seeds, I'm going to get an orange. Okay? It's the same thing in life. But I think a lot of times we think that I can plant other things in re receive a different harvest, okay? Verse 8 says, those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death uh, from the sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So verse 9, so don't get tired of doing what is good at the right time. You will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. And then chapter 5, verse 22, what is the character of God? What is this character thing that God is talking about? He's talking about it in verse 22. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So what is happening in these moments? The question is, what comes out when we get squeezed? Right? When problems and trials, difficulties come our way and we feel squeezed and we feel the enemy on us and we feel him trying to destroy and to kill what comes out and listen I, I, i'm going to be honest with you i am not exempt from this at all sometimes the wrong things come out you know i mean i called my man ryan the other day and the right things were not coming out and and he was walking me off the edge you know what I mean and I'm like I'm thankful for a good friend that is hearing from God right now because I'm about to do some bad things right now you know but it's the truth character the character of God it needs to be love how hard is that sometimes if we're just being honest we don't want to respond in love all the time. We don't always want to respond in joy or peace or patience or kindness or goodness or faithfulness or gentleness or, or to use self-control. And I think that sometimes we, we hear this word self-control and we think about it like, yeah, like self-control not to have a cookie. No, I'm not talking about self-control not to have a cookie. I'm talking about the self-control to trust that God's nature and character doesn't change. And, and, and if he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, then he will be faithful to me. So I will use self-control because I know who he is. And I'm okay with who he is. Number four goes on in the cycle. Confident hope. Confident hope. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. It says, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. Verse 8, for anyone who asks receives, but anyone who seeks finds. And anyone who knocks, the door will be open. Verse 9, you parents, if your child asks for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. This is not talking about physical bread or, or 
fish or snakes or any of this stuff. It's really talking about the nature and the character of our God. That when we ask him for something, that he's not going to give us something different. Does that make sense? That he's a good father. Verse 11 says this, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children. And the reality is this, outside of God's grace and righteousness, we're all sinful people. But even in our sinful nature, you can see it at Christmas time. You can see the world come together and go, let's bless people. Let's take care of children. Let's take care of people in other nations and country. You can see it at Christmas time how even sinful people, bad people, know still how to pour out good gifts. The Bible says if those people know how to give good gifts, how much more, and I love that word more, how much more your heavenly Father who knows you, loves you, cares for you, knows every hair on the top of your head, knows everything about you, your life, your job, your relationships, your marriage, your kids. He knows it all, and he knows where he's taking you. And I need you to understand that today, that whatever God starts, he is faithful to bring to completion. So he started something in your life. He is faithful to bring you to the end. And so in those moments, God says, I'm a good father who knows how to give good gifts. So why do I have confidence? I have confidence because I know the nature and the character of the God that I'm serving. And I know that his nature and character does not change. And then it leads me to the last one. It says this, God's love for us. God's love for us. Psalms 118, verse 1, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. He's good. His faithful love endures forever. Verse 5, in my disaster, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. Verse 6, the Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? You ever felt that, though? You're like, man, just people. People are tough. But the writer's telling us, listen, they're just people. And they'll fade away. But God is faithful. He's faithful to his people. And he will take good care of you. Verse 7, it says, yes, the Lord, he is for me. He will help me. I will look and triumph over those who hate me. Verse 8, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust people. Verse 13, my, enemy, my enemies did their best to kill me, but the Lord rescued me. Verse 14, the Lord is my strength and he is my song. I love that. The Lord is my strength. He's my song, the song that I sing. You know, uh, we all love music, and we all love songs, and we all love connecting. You know, all of us in this room could say, man, there's a certain song that my heart really connects to. But I love this verse where it talks about that the Lord is my song. So my lips are full of the praises of God. My tongue is ready to speak of the good things that he has done for me and will continue to do for me. For he has given me victory. Verse 15, the song of joy and victory surges in the camp of the godly. 
the strong, the strong right arm of God has done glorious things. The strong right arm of the Lord has raised us up in triumph. The strong right arm of the Lord has gone and done glorious things. Verse 17, I will not die. Instead, I will live, and I will tell of all that God has done. God is for you. His love is poured out for you. Obviously, we understand because of chapter 5 in Romans, God's goodness. At the right time, he sent Jesus, even when we were still sinful people. God's love is ever-ending. Worship team, you guys can come on up. Where does it take us? Right back to it. Right back to that place of trials. So obviously we can see this ecosystem that God has built. And what does this ecosystem really mean? It means this. It means God is trying to build believers in Christ Jesus. Those who will be strong through the tough times of life, knowing what? God's love completes me and makes me whole and complete in life. But there's this one word that I, I left out at the very beginning. Okay, if you look at verse 3, there's this, this three words, and it says this, we can rejoice. We can rejoice. Why can I rejoice? Why can you rejoice? It says we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. Isn't that just such a foreign concept? Isn't that such a wild, different thought? Who praises in trials? Who praises in sorrow? Who praises in tough moments? Who rejoices? Well, you know what? I can rejoice because the last thing on that cycle was what? God's love for us. So if God's love completes us, God's love makes me whole, then guess what? I can rejoice. And I can always rejoice. I can rejoice no matter where I'm at on the cycle. Because that's the truth. Every one of us today is somewhere on that cycle. Every one of us. You can find yourself on that cycle. But the reality is, I can rejoice. I was meeting somebody for breakfast yesterday morning. And I'm on my way to breakfast. And like I said, it's been a tough seven days. And I got into the car, and I just started to rejoice in the Lord. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't care what the enemy is speaking to me right now. I choose. And sometimes you have to choose. Can we just be honest? Sometimes you have to choose to deny what you're feeling because your feelings are stronger than what you really, really are capable of comprehending at the moment. So at the moment, you have to choose. And so I said, Lord, I choose to declare that you are good. I choose to declare that you are faithful. I choose to declare that your love for me and your faithfulness and your grace and your mercy will endure and I will be victorious in Jesus' name. I choose choose to rejoice when I don't feel like rejoicing. I choose to praise when I feel like not praising. I choose to trust in Jesus when I don't want to trust in Jesus. I choose and I rejoice because I know the circle. I know God's cycle. I know God's ecosystem. And I know that I know that I know that today was a tough day, but I know that I know that I know that there's a day of victory coming. 
And I know that anything the enemy steals from my life, the Lord says that he has to repay me seven times full. So even though he may come to rob, steal, and kill in my life, and maybe some days he wins some victories in some battles, I know this. I'm going to win more victories. I'm going to win more battles with the Lord Jesus Christ because of his strong arm for me and for you in Jesus' name. Amen? Why don't you stand up this morning? Uh, we put God's cycle, and on the back we put 2018 cycle. Sometime this week, if you're single, spend some time with the Lord. Ask the Lord, God, what's some things that I need to create a new cycle for 2018? If you're married, connect with your wife. Say, hey, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord. What are some things that we need to do differently in 2018 to create some different cycles, some different culture in our own home? Letting the Lord lead us. Amen.